We're on a thousand planets and spreading out. doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that mask man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fantastic Forum. Actually, I was supposed to lead with Welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I should read my own doggone copy. Yes, thank you for tuning in. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. We'll begin today's show with some genre-related news. An anniversary this week is November 3rd marked 65 years since the nationwide theatrical release in Japan of the original Godzilla in 1954. The film formed the foundation for a multimedia franchise and has been recognized by the Guinness Book of World Records as the longest-running film franchise in history. Godzilla has since become an international pop culture icon, and the film has been largely credited for establishing the template for what is now known as tokusatsu. That's people wearing big rubber monster costumes and all that. Jeremy Slater has been selected as the head writer for Marvel's Moon Knight series on streaming service Disney+. Slater is no stranger to comic book adaptations. He developed Gerard Way and Gabriel Ba's Umbrella Academy for Netflix. He also wrote the 2017 feature film adapted from the anime Death Note. There is no release date available currently for Moon Knight. Also on the Disney Plus Marvel series front, Rick and Morty writer Jessica Gao has been named as head writer for She-Hulk. No release date available on this one either. And today in Waldorf, Maryland is the Southern Maryland Comic-Con, a showcase of fan-friendly comics, toys, games, superheroes, pop culture, and more. This one is put on by my personal friend Ben Penrod, who knows a thing or two about assembling a convention. Goes until 5 p.m., so you've still got time to stop by. Tell them Fantastic Forum sent you. Maybe you'll be able to get in free. The show is at the Capitol Clubhouse. For more information, you can visit the link on the Fantastic Forum Facebook page at facebook.com backslash Fantastic Forum. And while you're there, if you haven't already, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter too. We love to be liked and we like to be followed. I'm so sorry I wasn't able to get out there for that one this year. We were actually broadcasting live from the convention last year and uh, I just honestly I couldn't find an engineer <laughs> you gotta you gotta have somebody here in the booth if you're gonna be doing this kind of thing anyway look on today's show because hey we're into November now and we're making that slide into the holiday season and uh, I'm, I'm a little more relaxed about what I'm doing I'm actually I'm always trying to put something together to entertain audiences. You know, heck of a demand doing this show on a weekly basis. <laughs> the TV show was easy. That was a monthly at the height of it. And hey, for uh, radio, it should be less work. But again, when you got to come up with these themes and topics and you got to get the great guests and the great panelists and all that stuff. So I'm working on some stuff in terms of uh, some more big guests for today. I am joined here in the studio by Drew Bittner and Julian Lytle, you know, both of whom are sure to become household names. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you guys laugh, but hey, you know, I'm surely going to be like, yeah, I knew him when. <laughs> I just hope you guys will remember me uh, when that time comes. Anyway, so look. Um... You had mentioned something, because, you know, we're always trying to improve the quality of what we do here on Fantastic Forum, and uh, so I was going to segue with some of that Disney Plus stuff, because one of you all had mentioned that apparently Kevin Feige 
is uh, trying to sell memberships or something. <laughs> so, mm. uh, yes. What what was it, uh, Julian? I think you were saying Kevin Feige said. Um, I was reading up yeah. mm-hmm. that basically to continue on with the Marvel Cinematic Universe and wanting to stay, I guess, understanding the flow of the story and the characters, mm-hmm. that it will now be you need more than just watching the movies which has already been like a tv serial that you'll need to also watch these shows because events of these shows will impact the characters when you see them in their next movie appearance Hmm. so i.e like you'll need to watch wandavision to understand what's going on with the scarlet witch when you see her in doctor strange and the multiverse of madness or the man whatever that yeah, the, 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 the title of madness. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and you know, I guess we'll have him whatever the Hawkeye show or. Well, um, they were saying he was saying he's saying this week that um, Loki is going to tie straight into Doctor Strange too. Yeah, so those those are two shows. Yeah. If you oh, are saying this that, movie, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, you'll well, need to watch at least two shows, so yeah. you'll need to at least give them like a good, I don't know, whatever, a couple years worth of of, of seven dollars. You, yeah, mm-hmm. you, you probably have to, yeah, because uh, Doctor Strange is coming until 2021, right? Yeah, yeah, and those shows aren't coming on at the same time. They're probably going to stagger them, Yeah, you know, alternate the shows with them. Um, well, they'll, they'll be out next year. They'll be out next year. You know, we got Mandalorian. Yeah, Mandalorian's coming up. Um, Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to come up in probably, like, you know, February or So Yeah, so I'm guessing, you know, most other things they're doing show... Then they put a new show on. I don't know if they're going to go hardcore like Apple TV is and they put all their long shows out at the same time. Mm. And it's like, I don't know who got time to watch all them shows at the same time. But, hey. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's a, it's a kind of a crazy uh, kind of a crazy mix. I mean, you go, on, you go online and look at all the stuff that's lined up for TV in the next couple of years. There's a, t- a ton of things. Yeah. You know. Well, <clears throat> and in some ways, because all of this stuff is interconnected, <laughs> obviously, and they're trying to make it more so. Um, I, I'm curious about what you guys think, though, because, you know, we've had I've been waxing somewhat poetic, uh, particularly um, for the past couple of weeks, only because I've been burning the candle at both ends. And, you know, when you're on the road on the way to something or other and uh, you got a little bit of time to think, you, throw, you sort of think back and um, these comic books and and the uh, ancillary products have been such a big part of my life for mm-hmm. so long. I mean, yeah. and, uh, you know, big part of all our lives. I mean, I look at that Tomorrowland pen that you wear <laughs> <laughs> with great pride, yeah. uh, you know, for example. Yes. But, um, you know, so so these things are are a part of us, and we 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 became indoctrinated years ago i mean i remember the first comic book i bought it was a uh, giant size batman and uh my mom got it for me at this sweet shop down the street from where we lived and i was in first grade and i was i mean i had been familiar with batman somewhat because i had seen the tv show with adam west mm-hmm. but this was the first comic book that i read and you know, it had a bunch of stories in it, and as a point of entry, you know, it was great. But I recognized that there were some slight differences between what was going on in the comic book and what was happening in the TV series. And uh, I didn't appreciate that even then, because uh, I've railed against uh, reboots, but I got news for you. If you aren't talking, if when you say The Flash, if you're not seeing Mercury Helmet Flash, my friend, that's a reboot. <laughs> and so the DC Universe that I grew up on is is a reboot and uh, you know the the impact of these comic books versus the um the uh the movies and the tv shows you know it's uh, it's a lot different mm-hmm. you know yeah so i mean i i agree completely i mean the the different versions that we see especially growing mm-hmm. up like you know your first exposure to batman might have been the 1966 tv show i think that was probably mine you know the first time i, was, I saw batman was probably that tv show mm-hmm. um and it, it kind of shapes your expectations a little bit and then you see the comic books and the comic books at that point were like dark and you know dangerous batman a little bit more so mm-hmm. you know it's, it's, it's a different world yeah. and um mm-hmm. you know um I think I think the the big thing is that we've seen such an explosion in it because not only have the effects become better, 
but the properties themselves have become so much a part of our culture that you know just they're everywhere yeah well the other thing is uh, and and this is sort of in a roundabout way where i was going with this um the the and, and for a long time the television shows and the movies don't necessarily help the comics you know in fact there seems to be less and less of a of a connection mm-hmm. between them yeah. you know i mean and and now they're trying to forge an even more powerful connection between the various movie and television stuff i mean you know particularly when people have to pay money to get that Disney Plus, and you got Kevin Feige, who's like, yeah, you got to follow this, or you ain't going to understand that, you know? I mean, but the fact that younger people are sucked into this, and bless her, there's a delightful young woman that I know of, who, a real sweet girl, reminds me of my daughter, and she was uh, telling me at one point um, in the, in the recently, not super recent, but last time I saw her, she's uh, expressing her delight at these properties and she said oh i'm a big fan of captain america i've seen all the movies and Mm. i'm thinking oh bless your heart child bless your heart but you know there's something lost in all this i don't i don't don't know i think some of the end goal especially on the marvel end was to get to this point um i think right now what they're doing is replicating what worked within the Marvel Universe between, you know, the 60s through, i say, the early 80s, you know what I'm saying? I would say probably is the height of the Marvel age, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like, I'm, I'm kind of pro-reboot, personally. Uh, I think rebooting is good to, to freshen up things for new generations. Uh, I was worried, of, like, I don't think... The replication of the Marvel method and the Marvel technique of storytelling within superhero stories is good for media. And I was worried about this back when Avengers came out because when I saw Avengers, I was like, this is the end to five previous movies because the five previous movies didn't have solid good endings to me. They didn't end. So everything was leading up to this one movie to the actual end of of a story. And then at that point, I was always like, oh, man, what if if this is the, the, the... Goal, mm. and then you know I'm sitting there with time. You know I have my own issues, but I'm watching it. And it's just like when I got you know I, I was in the, I was right next to you during Endgame, and like you know it was alright, but I was to a point where it was like you know they don't they don't need the comics anymore at all. Like everything you're talking about, you know, and and people might take this the wrong way if there's anybody within comic books and superhero comics and take this like all the stuff talking about you can do anything you have an unlimited budget uh we can have, do anything with imagination it's like that's true but you're five people they actually do have an unlimited budget and they got hundreds of people mm-hmm. so everything you think you can do with your with your drawing and a colorist and an inker yo they got an army making that stuff and it looks way more incredible than what y'all putting on that page and I wouldn't after that, if I was still into Marvel, I was like, I don't, you know, I don't need, like, I don't need to read the books. Like, y'all can't do that. Literally, y'all can't do that. Like, that whole fight, Cap picking up the hammer, they going, they had everything in it. And I think that's the problem with getting people to go back and to read the comics, unless the comics are doing something drastically different, i.e. A Dark Knight Returns, a Mr. Miracle, a Doom Patrol, uh, um, a Vision, uh, a whole bunch like hard traveling heroes, like sometimes a small, concise thing that encapsulates like a certain era that feels more novelistic and looks different than what people can actually put on the screen. Hmm. The average superhero comic, they can do. Well, mm. I mean, the, the, the You're thing- listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined in studio today by Drew Bittner and Julian Lytle. And we are talking comic books. And I guess <laughs> comic books, uh, the media properties, their impact on 
popular culture. Drew, you had something you were starting to say, and then oh, I've yeah. taken some notes here. I want to respond to a couple of things uh, Julian said. Cool. I mean, I think I think one thing that's been interesting is that um, Kevin Feige has essentially consolidated his control over Marvel Studios um, on the TV side as well as the movie side, and I think that the extension of that that shared Marvel universe, you know, the MCU going into the TV realm was inevitable once he took over. Um, just because, you know, this was, it, it was split. I mean, Jeff Loeb was in charge of Marvel television and he and Feige did not get along and there was not going to be any collaboration or cooperation between these two camps. And now that we're seeing it, you know, there will be a, a more integrated universe and that's got good and bad side. You know, on, on the good side, frankly, I, I would rather have seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. be more integrated into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I would rather have seen them do things and be making appearances in the movies here and there or, you know, stuff like that. Um, on the downside, as Julian said, you know, yeah, it means that you're probably going to have to watch these shows on Disney Plus to get the full experience, like to get when... You know, Scarlet Witch drops a mention of something that happened in WandaVision. And people that didn't see the show are going to be shaking their heads and shrugging their shoulders and saying, I have no idea what she's talking about. And the same with Loki. So, you know, there's there's going to be good side and bad side to, to all of this. But, you know, I was just going to say that uh, once Kevin Feige was named, you know, the guy in charge of all of it, this was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and, um, you know, we've seen bodies dropping, you know, because Jeff Loeb has stepped out. And, um, crap, I can't think of the guy's name, but uh, the guy over at, uh, over at Marvel who had been, um, I want to say it's Ike Perlmutter, but it might not be. But um, there's a guy over at Marvel who had been over, like, the comics who for a long time, you know, has been sort of kind of over stuff. And apparently... I think it's, I think it's Perlmutter. Yeah, that's what nah, I'm thinking. He's, he's still there. He's, well, he's still, still, still there, he's but still has like, a lot less influence he's, he's than he com- had He's still before. on the comic book side. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It still yeah. has a lot less influence. Anyway, look, um, I want to I pivot back to something that you were saying, Julian, about the, um, the end goal or the end game, mm. if I may. <laughs> um, which, uh, from when... And you're, you're right. Marvel has been all about this for decades, and they've made no secret about it. From when Roy Thomas came on, freeing up Stan Lee to head west, and he was basically trying to market Marvel. I mean, this mm-hmm. has been their goal. Yeah. Total world domination and filling everybody's pockets with coin. Well, their own, mainly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, they've been wildly successful at it. I mean, in fact, now the effort has outlived Stan Lee, and... This is, they have now, they're ready to seize control. They have a license to print money. And, you know, it's to the point where notable filmmakers like Francis Ford Coppola open, open their mouths about this stuff and they're vilified. <laughs> you know, Francis Ford Coppola saying, well, you know, the movies aren't that good. And they're like, hey, why are you hating on Marvel, Francis Ford Coppola? I mean, it's like yeah, I'll fight for Francis. Yeah, me too. Mean, you know, I mean, and don't he get gave me Godfather one and two. I'll fight all of them. You know, the guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> you know. And in fact, him and uh, crap, who was Scorsese? Scorsese, exactly. And Scorsese had to uh, qualify his comments. You know, yeah. get, add some clarification. But here's the thing: they weren't wrong. You know, this stuff is. I mean, it's making a ton of money. But mm-hmm. I, I think when. Um, Scorsese clarified what he was saying. He he was he, he said that there there's there's no drama in terms of what's happening. You know, there, there there's no stakes. There's no revelation at the end of the film. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, it, in terms of storytelling, I mean, yeah, it's exciting and, and the look of it. Now, frankly, I'm a little surprised at what you said about, you know, because all these people involved in making it and the army of animators and all that stuff and that i mean because the human imagination is really something i mean i've seen stuff that i mean you know shoot you talking about five guys i've seen stuff one guy does like jack kirby and makes the stuff look good it's true i mean so it does look amazing mm -hmm. but like also what if you have a group of people in the room and that's their whole goals to make it to look the most amazing thing that anybody's seen on earth Mm -hmm. because it's like as much as I think they're kind of vapid at times, like, yo, Thor lift his hammers in the air 
and his armor came on, his braid got his beard got braided, and him and and Iron Man and Captain America walked down the joint, and my man Thanos, who was made completely out of CG, didn't look out of place. Yeah, got up and was like, "All right, let's wreck." Yeah, mm-hmm. they they've you know? got it's gotten very good because even, I, you know, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm no CG connoisseur. I've liked pretty much everything I've seen. Well, except when you slow it down. I mean, I got to admit, in that second Matrix movie, the fight with Neo and the Hundred Smiths, when you pause, yeah, I, mean, oh, yeah, I think yeah, I, fro- yeah. I, I was freeze framing that. Yeah, three that, though. So yeah, like you can you can see you can see. Oh yeah. Well, and some yeah. people will tell you they'll talk about oh the CD the CGI wasn't especially good in this movie or that movie. Most of the time, Mike, you keep it quick, you keep it short. Uh, you know, and especially depending on how you're using it. I mean, because today they CG stuff in all movies practically. Yeah. I mean, st- I remember uh, Gotham, the TV series Gotham. I'm looking at the Gotham skyline and I saw something where, yeah, they CG'd a bunch of buildings in there and they've, you know, made Gotham gothic and all this kind of thing. And I'm like, wow, I mean, same thing with uh, an even older movie, um, Titanic. I mean, there's stuff, yeah, they're up on the deck and some of the stuff of the water and the whatever, you know, I'm like, CG and stuff you could, that you could accomplish using practical effects, and yet they don't. So, um, mm-hmm. and again, but I'm not particularly a CG connoisseur, but what you're saying about that last, and, and it's fresh in my mind because I just watched Avengers Endgame like last week. I mean, it took me a couple of days to get through it, and I'd had the movie for months, and I just hadn't put it in. I was like, you know, I don't really care if I see this again. I mean, it was, I, 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 I did. I mean, it was like you, it was okay. I didn't love that movie. It's three TV episodes in one thing, but you know, I, I don't, I don't. I don't want to get on my sandbox. Well, no. Julian's sandbox <laughs> stands hey. over. He passed away. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, so but, but well, you know, I mean, and uh, hey, use the bully pulpit, my friend, because, uh, and I'm not trying to bring clarity to the world or any kind of thing, but I, my concern, and I've made no secret of this, my concern was that they had ratcheted up the stakes to where, how do you go back? I mean, how do you, you can't, they can't fight men with guns anymore. You know, now it's basically got to be some sort of cosmic event every time. And we'll see how how well or how poorly they the, the producers are at getting people interested in all this stuff. Because the other element is oversaturation. And I think that's something that has, the, the comics industry has generally been concerned about, given the cyclical nature of it all. I mean, you know, we're all familiar with how the genres have their day. You know, one day it's detective comics that people love, and then the next day it's romance comics, and then it's war comics, and then it's horror comics, and then it's comedy comics. This business with the superheroes has outlasted all of these other genres in terms of the consistency of it. And you got to wonder, how much longer can this thing go? I mean, you know, yeah, it's become the modern mythology. um, And partially because of the overwhelmingly successful marketing. Has it, though? Or is that just a buzzword that's outlived its usefulness from, like, the late 90s and early 2000s? Which one? The modern mythology defense. They're using it now to a point where it's like, no, it's not. There's certain characters that fit that. Yeah. Like Batman fits that. Superman fits that. Spider-Man fits that. Uh, Real talk, Black Panther doesn't fit that yet. Not yet. No. He's. I mean, he's too new on the scene in terms of the popular culture. He just got interesting 20 years ago. The keep it a buck. He just got interesting. Well, not even twenty years ago, in terms of the popular market. Now, well, I'm not I talking personally, about the, market. The, the the one they took was from one guy, and then they forgot about him, and it was like, oh, oh yeah, that Christopher Reese was really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We should use some of that. Mix some of that in here. Look, look, you know, you can get on Priest Jock if you want. I'm a Don McGregor guy. <laughs> Always will be. Don McGregor did the first, and I don't want to digress here, but yeah, I understand yeah, yeah. your point. But uh, Don McGregor did the first serious work on the Black Panther. And I, I agree. Yeah. You know, I personally got a lot of love for that Jack Kirby. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? It is yes. what it is. But. Yeah. Well, yeah. What was it? What they call it? The um, jungle action and all that. Like, oh. well, yeah. But there was something when he, when he, um, when the Black Panther fought the Fantastic Four. In that, yeah. But there was something. What was it? The um, it mm. wasn't the scientific jungle, but it was the oh, the yeah. something. I forget yeah. the I forget the phrase they coined. But I mean, and you could almost make a case for Jack Kirby and Stan Lee, sort of. Doing a lot of serious Afrofuturism work there because that's mm-hmm. sort of what that was. That was some sense. That was some Afrofuturist yeah, stuff. Was. If you, yeah. hey, it's like you know. they throw they throw this term around a lot, and it mm-hmm. becomes a selling point that I see Disney like to use a lot. But it's also something that I also see Warner Brothers through the DC executives and, and storytellers. I think purposely choose not to use anymore because that was something they were using, let's say, fifteen years ago. Yeah. It was kind of a it was kind of a buzzword thing. And I mean, my my feeling is it's not it's not about modern mythology anymore. It's about you know that comic book storytelling reflects the times in the same way that political thrillers and horror comics and westerns reflected the times that they were popular. Hmm. And the fact is that our culture has not substantially changed in the time that the popular that the comic books comic book movies have become popular things. You know, we're still in a case of you know, being very divided politically as a country, we're in a case of having some some serious divisions in our society, and comic books are a rather simple answer to a lot of those things. So, you know. Well, well and in some ways, always have. I mean, you know, one of the things that we, we referenced briefly, well, we've refer- referenced it briefly in a number of different shows. There was a show I did that was devoted to uh politics and comics yeah. and you know because the history is is just rife with it especially when you get deep into those hearings and uh i had um i had warren bernard and uh, andrew Iden on that mm. politics show mm-hmm. and um warren bernard uh, you know I, warren is great because warren knows more about the history of comics and those hearings that they had i was like damn you know and Andrew knows about it too, but Warren was telling even Andrew some stuff about that. But mm. the 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 nature of comics since their inception has always been singularly political, and uh, you know mm-hmm. it's just I mean I think that the the nation hasn't been as divided in terms and and as polarized uh, as, as where it it was. I mean I think that a lot more people, and I think that's part of the reason the sales were so much bigger. You know, I mean, everybody was embracing a certain degree of xenophobia when it came to some of this stuff, you know, and you could have, you know, the the the, the yellow bastards, evil guys in Captain America, and everybody loved it, you know, because, in yeah. fact, I remember from um, uh, the great comic, Jules Pfeiffer's The Great Comic Book Heroes, which is required reading at the Academy. Um, one of the things that he, and it's a line that has stuck with me for many years, but he, he was saying um, after Pearl Harbor, um, you know, well, we had assumed that this Asian villain in comics had always been Chinese, but now, after Pearl Harbor, we knew who he was, a Jap, a yellow belly Jap, a Japanazi rat. I'm like, wow, this yeah. is, you know, and everybody embraced that kind of thing, but I yeah. digress. But yeah, so, so they've always been political. Mm-hmm. And and that is an element you can't take out of it. But now I don't know. I mean, it and and there's still you look at the X Men for example as an allegory for um, L- LGBTQ relations and you know some other stuff. Is it but, though? It it has been, but it's but Jonathan Hickman's ver- version of them is not. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it, it, it seemed that there was a and I, I'm nothing against these creators, but there was a real serious point within the. 2000s to the early 10s where they decided to make the X-Men more focused on, let's say, an allegory to LGBTQ IA mm-hmm. issues then, after the, the X-Men, after X-Men 2 because yeah. Brian Singer put that very much into those films versus its original theme of majority, minority, civil rights yeah. being mm-hmm. not being different through Race was more of a factor for a long period of time. It's something that black people get into, uh, Latin people could get into, Asian people could Jewish get into. People. Jewish people were heavy. Because yeah. adding that dynamic of of Magneto and Kitty Pryde and talking about 
yeah. Jewish American, being Jewish and what happened there was still interesting to me as a black person because it's like, oh yeah, slaves, you mm -hmm. know, all this type of stuff. It, it all connected together. Yeah. It was like a, it was a serious push to, I think, change some of that core. And it sounds like Hickman kind of went back to using pro-black narratives it's, and, it's, and ideology. And it's history. very different. It's very different now. Yeah. Well, we'll talk more about that for those. You know, we, we had to sneak that in because, of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM and streaming online at WERA.FM. We're a community radio station, which, among other things, means we're non-commercial. And that means that we rely on our underwriters and our sponsors, as well as our listeners our valued listeners to be able to continue to support the station. Visit the website at WERA.FM. Find out how you can become a member and get involved with this wonderful resource that is community radio, that is community media. So we're going to step aside for just a moment to acknowledge the invaluable contribution of our underwriters and our sponsors. I'm also going to take a couple of moments to promote some of the other fine WERA shows that are coming up later tonight, here, Saturday, November 9th. And then we'll be back with more Fantastic Forum just for you, right here on 96.7 FM. Stay tuned. And we're back here on the Fantastic Forum on WERA. 96.7 FM, Radio Arlington. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today in studio by Julian Lytle and Drew Bittner. And this is a show about comic books and science fiction and fantasy and all other kinds of wacky stuff like that. We've been talking about, uh, well, we've been talking about a whole bunch of stuff. I don't want to diminish it or minimize it by trying to qualify it. <laughs> uh, but uh, Drew, you had been you had been saying something because we were talking about the the political nature of comics yeah. and how that is inexorably connected to the history of the industry, uh, the foundation of it all. Uh, and yet, and yet, I mean, because hey, let's face it, I, I'm I'm more of a moderate type of person, but comics, comics have been pretty right wing for most of the history, mm -hmm. and uh, shockingly, I shouldn't say shockingly, because it's only recently that I have discovered that a lot of people who read them are also kind of right wing, <laughs> and uh, bumping up against the so called social justice warriors among us and uh, you know particularly and again in terms of some of the media I mean you look at a show because I'm still I'm still recording it and uh, watching it and getting around to it because there's so much stuff that I'm trying to watch but Supergirl Supergirl is one of these shows that man they are so progressive on this show yeah, they, they are very out they are, there. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they're so progressive. Like you said, they are out there. Yeah. And um, so, I don't know. Anyway. It's it's from the center saying. on Supergirl. Um, we were talking about X-Men before, and X-Men is a metaphor for, you know, majority, minority, and civil rights. And then it evolved into um, LGBTQ representation. And, and now that's kind of been blown up because that's not the paradigm that... Jonathan Hickman, the the architect of this whole thing, is, is going for it all, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of politics, you know, front and center. And to address your point, Yuli, I mean, yeah, comics have been pretty right wing without making a big issue of it, because let's be honest, this is a bunch of people that are going out and making justice on their terms outside the system and with very little accountability and government where government shows up at all in comics is really just there to be an obstacle, not an ally or whatever. It's often yeah. an enemy. Or a plot device. Yeah, or a plot mm -hmm. device. But but government in a systematic and 
frankly, plausible way does not show up in these books. It's it's really left to the superheroes to fight the supervillains, and that's the only context we really have in these things. And so, yeah, it's like that's that's kind of a right wing trope is that you know you get these a good guy with a gun is the only one that can stop a good guy, a bad guy with a gun. So <laughs> or a good guy with superpowers. Exactly. <laughs> the only way to stop a bad guy with superpowers. It's, yeah. it's not mm. a big leap to make that connection. Yeah. So yeah. well, and and I tell you what, the other thing with that uh, we frequently see. Uh, as in uh, Alan Moore and um, Dave Gibbons' Watchmen uh, comics, uh, we see a character like uh, Rorschach, who is perceived by the readers as being heroic. Mm-hmm. And really, what Alan Moore was saying about this guy, because he was he was very anachronistic. Um, he was a misogynist. He was racist. He was a racist. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, there was there wasn't a lot about that character that was particularly admirable, and yet it's um, it's it's funny how people just grabbed onto that character, and I think I think it's partly the visual hook, you know, the mask and everything else, mm, and mm. some other things like the fact that he goes out and just does this. But Alan Moore's point was, you don't want that. You don't want some right. psychopath in a mask going around breaking people's fingers and you know, shoving broken glasses into people's faces in the search for a killer. You know, that's that's not how things ought to work. And the fact that a lot of fans thought, oh my gosh, this is so cool. Well, it just shows you missed the point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and sometimes we see it uh, manifest itself like with, um, uh, uh, oh shoot, now I can't think of the guy, the, the artist who drew... Um, uh, Daredevil brought him to prominent. Frank Miller. Frank Frank Miller. Miller. No. Yes. Oh my God. Because um, you look at uh, the Dark Knight Returns, mm-hmm. and Miller was—you know—he was more of a lefty at that point. You know, I mean, and then is he though? Well, I think he was then. You I, know, know. I, think, I think he started off, but he changed. Yeah, he, he ain't like that now. That's for damn sure. That kind, book, kind of veered a little. He mm. said, like he got he got mugged. Yeah. And that was part of the impetus of him making that book. Yeah. That made me look at the mutants and everything way mm. differently after that fact. Mm-hmm. That Batman always rubbed me the wrong way. I think he was against Reagan, but I don't know if he was ever actually for a progressive or a left winger. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe when he was really young, maybe when he was working on Daredevil. But he, like, is he really young though? <laughs> yeah, he was doing. Really he was doing. He look. He looked super old, but he was looking older than Stan Lee. And he got. Oh. He was twenty years younger than Stan. Lee. Oh damn! <laughs> yeah, That's Frank's, just some of that hard living. <laughs> Frank has not been. Frank has not been looking good for a long time. Yeah. But, mm. you know. Yeah. So. But you know, he's he's of his era. You know, he's still be younger than uh, Denny O'Neill and um. What's no, he's he's younger than Denny O'Neill. That's what I'm saying. He's yeah. younger. He's like after like Denny O'Neill and, and Neil Adams. Mm. Yeah. But you know, they they actually look they look actually younger than Frank Miller. Wait a minute. <laughs> he's he's a contemporary of Neil Adams? No, no I'm no. saying he's oh, younger. Oh, all right, than okay. Oh, yeah, all right. Because Neil Adams will tell you there's nobody who's like right around his age who's in it. Everybody is younger than him or older than him. <laughs> He's he's kind of a one of a kind. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm not arguing with him. You know, the man uh, but, uh he's he's one of my favorite artists. He's, he's a legend. I, I do think mm-hmm. Frank Miller does have, have a certain interesting perspective in, in the political leanings of superheroes and how they change things within the 80s. I think what happens with uh, with Rorschach and, and Watchmen mm-hmm. is that in the mid-80s, that kind of became like a way of looking at the world. This is also the time where the Punisher goes from being a Spider-Man villain to be huh. a full-blown Marvel hero. Yeah. yeah. There's also the time of, like, Ghost Rider and a lot of the other it, grim and gritty characters. Yeah, and, like, Wolverine goes from being the, the random little... The remember can- the X-Men the to being... Uh, Mr. X-Men. <laughs> he is... The, it's Wolverine and the X-Men. Yeah. I yeah. get a well, title. Mr. Marvel, you know and, what I mean? Um, yeah. But, so, Bat, you know, the changing of Batman, Batman getting older, Batman getting more harsh, you know, that even influenced RoboCop. Yeah. Like when he reaches through and grabs a guy, they like they they they, they oh, real over yeah. said like I took that from this comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally I'd forgotten did. about that when he reaches through the yeah. wall to grab the mutant guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, and, and also this is a total aside, but I am so tired of seeing that scene. I'll kill her. 
believe me. I am so tired of that. I've seen that in like three or four different movies or TV shows. It's like, come on. Well, they just did it in, in the latest Watchmen. Latest, latest, latest uh, episode of Watchmen. And they played on that trope because... <laughs> totally did. He was honest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It did not go the way she thought. They always BS it, but I guess this one just was it. Okay. Yeah. It's like they're, they're always lying, but this guy, was, this guy was real. You know, I am loving that series so much. I, I, I'm enjoying oh it. I'm enjoying goodness. it a lot. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it's great that they're not just trying to recreate the comic book that they're yeah. they're really taking this like thirty years later. Here's where these characters are. Here's where the world is, and it's a different context, but it's still a lot of the, the things that are consequences of mm-hmm. what happened then. Indeed. Oh, Julian, I owe you a debt of thanks because I still haven't visited that site. But Julian was telling me Petypedia. There, yeah, you know, but yeah, that that there's. There's all this ancillary information. Oh, you got to tell them about this. Pedipedia? So, hbo.com slash Pedipedia is an ancillary website created by the character Dave Petey that you met in episode three. Really? Where it has his memos to the FBI about certain (laughs) things within regards of uh, uh, the history of superhero vigilantism. And his, you know, the group he's part of, the task force, the anti-vigilante task force. So, he writes memos about... um, the show American Hero Story. Yeah. Uh, he tries to be very respectful to his colleague and co-worker, um, <laughs> Agent Blake. Which is, which is tough. Um, <laughs> she makes it tough on him. <laughs> but he also has other other webs, other things in there, like a critical um, exploration of the movie about uh, Bass Reeves that we see in the beginning yeah. of the first episode. It also gives you uh, things from their version of the Washington Post about Adrian Veidt and his disappearance and... Presumed dead. Yes. Yeah. And expl- it gives it, it, it gives you a lot of stuff that happened in between when we last see certain characters and where we're at here. Well, I mean, this is how you find out... There's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff they drop, yeah. like, you know, the fact that she has an owl in a cage and... Ha, yeah, ha, you know, ha, yes, and, a night owl is apparently yeah. in jail. You yeah, know, I mean, the yeah, dude but, is like, like, like yeah. One, yeah. like, after the first episode, they put it up and you find out how she got to this point, what happened to Dan. Oh, cool. And it's like... And, like, why... And it's Judd, written in full, like, and why FBI Judd, memo And why Judd Crawford style. was flying around in an, arch, in an Archie. They don't explain that. I, still, <laughs> I personally still think they got all of Dan's patents. That's a different idea. I'm, yes. I'm pretty, yeah, I, they, I like that one. They yeah. must have. There's, they must uh, there's have. other things, like, this week they had a lot of stuff explaining... Uh, exp- uh, explaining certain things that happened in this episode like the painting from the last episode and it's just really interesting because they, they're writing in so many different voices and it reminds you of reading Hollis Mason's yeah. book oh cool or the I'll other have, things within the, within the comic and it's 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 how it's done correctly versus say Doomsday Clock which is so much I'm, I'm not of, loving Doomsday Clock of like you're trying so hard to be Watchmen yeah but you're missing the point of Watchmen yeah. because you're making this about Watchmen being dark comics versus Superman and well, what Superman and, should and, be. And, and racing up to a cataclysmic moment of truth and how does this yeah. world survive that? It's like, that's not what Watchmen was about. Yeah, mm. versus this show, which is like, let's explore these themes going on within our society. Yeah, and let's, and let's also show that superheroes are not a good idea. <laughs> You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA, 96.7 FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined in studio today by Drew Bittner and Julian Lytle. And we are talking, well, at the moment we're talking about the new HBO series Watchmen, which is quintessentially political. And uh, and I think that was the point. (laughs) But yeah, but all this ancillary stuff, man, that stuff is great. I'm in there. Oh, Monday. I'm at work like, PDPD's updated. <laughs> Time to start reading. And people talk about this stuff, it's like, y'all didn't read PDPD. I'm out here. I know what's happening. <laughs> oh, but you know something? Um, it, based on the conversation that we had last week, because I was speculating. Oh, and also, you talking about how you're watching it with the subtitles. Mm-hmm. and how, a lot of names to the subtitles. Yeah, you know, I mean, I had no idea, you know, about some of these mass police and um you know particularly yeah (laughs) well and blake called you know i'm pirate jenny 
<laughs> yeah. Well, what and and the red uh, red scare. Red scare. I'm yeah. like, oh shoot! You're looking glass and all glass. this stuff. It's like get out, you know. But then what was it? The master of the country manor. The master what? of the estate. Lord. Sorry, yeah, yeah. Lord, yeah. Lord of the Lord country, of the country manor. manor. Yeah. 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 So uh, because then I had <laughs> and speculated. The <laughs> that was, like, that was yeah, you know, <laughs> your faithful servant. No. Um, yeah, so I had been speculating that Jeremy Irons, Lord of the Country Manor, was Adrian Veidt. But Julian said, well, but he's speaking with a British accent, and Veidt yeah. was American. No, was and, yeah, was British. Well, yeah, but uh, well, I, I just assumed. Well, <laughs> yeah, hey, no, I just assumed, oh, well, we got Jeremy Irons. Oh, Jerry, do it, do, Jeremy, do it, do it, how, do it however you want to do it. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's fine with us. Do what you do. Yes. <laughs> But and I was like, yeah, I think that's Vite. But then he says he's Vite in this one, and now I don't know that I believe it. <laughs> you know, I still I'm like, got ten percent in me. Wait a minute. Just because you say you is, dude, yeah, that don't mean, mean that you is. is. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think I think he's the real deal. And I also, I mean, a friend of mine pointed out something on oh, when I was on the way over here. He said that there's something in IMDb about the servants that's a that's a spoiler. Hmm. The, the, something hmm. in the cast list that, that that says something about them that says who like something about them. So hmm. I'm like, I'm probably not going to check IMDb because I don't know that I want that. I'm spoiled. about to go do that later. Put in my notes. I'm putting it out there, but um, but so there's there's apparently secrets. My my guess was that um, Vite had created servants for himself, and he had just like this whole storehouse full of clones. That mm-hmm. as he kills them off or whatever, because mm-hmm. he's, he's killed off a couple. Yeah, <laughs> but see, that's exactly that was the first thing that called me to to question whether or not this really was Adrian Veidt. Because for I mean, Veidt, genius, brilliant. You know this yeah. guy. So he what's created, this business? Yeah, but he what's, created Bubastis. Yeah. So what's this stuff he's doing? Why? I mean, you know, the whole business of he's in jail. I think that's I think that's the big deal is that yeah he's he's, he's trying to get out he's hmm. he's kind of locked into this place he has very few resources to work with he's trying to find a way out and he's burning through all of his options very quickly hmm. at this point hmm. so I think he's on Mars well that sounds that, you think that, he's on you do yeah maybe you know, what happened to that, that clone. Hey, why was he frozen? That's true. That's true. It's gonna go pretty damn high to freeze. <laughs> when you watch, when you read the end of the book, Vite, just because everybody besides Rorschach was like, I, the good outweighs the means. Like, I will, we'll live with this because we're at peace. But none of them was rocking with old boy. And and let's, <laughs> let's if he went let's, somewhere else. Let's be honest. I mean, Doctor Manhattan was not too happy with him either. He was he was quite tight as tight as Doctor Manhattan could be. Yeah. Well, and and that's the other thing because in it was either in the first episode or the second, they actually showed and it was a long shot, but it was Doctor Manhattan on Mars. Yeah. And he was next to a structure. Yeah. You know, he, he was building something was, and turned something down. Yeah. And, so and, at, I, and I thought I thought I I just kind of an aside here. Mm-hmm. Um, frankly, the latest episode I liked to have a phone. A phone booth oh, to God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that was, phone, that was yeah. phone calls yeah. to God. It's like I, I okay. Did, yeah, I didn't think too much of Lori's jokes, but you know, no, I was aside from oh, that, no, jokes are terrible. But, no, uh, the jokes are very, very important. I watched the episode two and a half times. Really? I watched every episode at least mm. twice. Wow. I watched the first two three times. Mm. Then I read Pedipedia. Okay, so so clue us in on the jokes. Well, the jokes represent. Uh, Okay, so we know the, we, I think we understand. Well, it's pretty the, obvious in terms. The jokes of that are about her year. former colleagues yeah. slash yes. lovers, mm-hmm. the, the pearly gates and stuff. Sure, and you know how she's reject. She's essentially rejecting what happened in God, and she's becoming more like her father. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, and as you said, apparently her superhero and she has abandoned the Silk Spectre identity, and she now she is the comedian. comedian. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh damn! But you know, you figured that she was embracing that side of her parentage because she's now cynical. she's going as Laurie Blake. Yeah, you know. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, it's it's also interesting that I mean she's doing all this stuff, and the way that she comes into this show, she has nothing but contempt for this le- this latest generation of wannabe superheroes. 
like this guy that she shoots, and the the guy asks her on the way out, "How did you know his armor would stop the bullet?" And she's like, "Obviously, doesn't, obviously doesn't care." You know, she truly doesn't care. Yeah, and, I, and I and, kept waiting for that line. Yeah, I and, didn't. You know, and, and, the, like, and, the, right. and the way that she talks about, and the way that she reacts to all of them is like, she's she's original. She's like second generation superhero in, yes. in this world. Yes, she mm. has nothing but contempt. For these wannabes and mm-hmm. these upstarts and whatever, so mm-hmm. it kind of ruined it ruined her life in a lot of ways. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then so to basically like basically to put a law in a place that the police can then like so now you get to be what you chased us down and hunted us down for. It's mm. like a lot going on with Lori Blake. I also like the fact that the first two episodes, the protagonist is clearly Angela. Right. And at the end of the first act, we get a new point of view character. Yes. And it's the mm-hmm. one episode where I really sit down and it's like, if you didn't read the comic, this episode makes no sense to you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, she had a, a painting, a Warhol painting behind her of herself and her old colleagues from the from yeah. the Crime Busters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And noticeably, no Rorschach in that picture. Uh, <laughs> and there's all these things about stuff that, like, in the the joke, like the reason you can get the joke and be like, uh, it's because you read, you know what's going on. Yeah. Other people mm-hmm. like, what in the world is this joke about? Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. like, like, do you know why she's just shooting people? Do you know why she's cracking jokes all the time? No, you don't. Yeah. Well, and but they're they're slowly bringing you along. I mean, they give uh, you little teas, little tastes. Yeah. Little well, chicken nuggets, but yeah. you, I eat old chicken. <laughs> well, a well, couple times. I, I eat that <laughs> uh, that Doctor Manhattan dildo that she pulled out. Oh man! <laughs> I was like, oh, what? What the? What the? What? He what? left an impression. Once you go blue, you never go do, back. Do you know what that was? <laughs> I think that was in her own way. She was afraid she's getting dis- disconnected from humanity the way that Doctor Manhattan was. Hmm. I think that's I what it that. was. She was, af- she was afraid she was getting too detached from people, and she went to Petey to sort of reconnect on some level. That could be. I think that's what it was. I'm Petey sure looking forward to the next episode. What did you say that, that website was again? HBO.com slash PDPedia. Oh, okay. It's you like know. Wikipedia, but it's like <laughs> Wikipedia in front of it. Petey. Petey. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I had actually wanted to ask you all, and we got a couple of seconds left here, uh, because uh, when I need comic book information, I go to, there's a uh, Marvel, and it's, it's wiki-based, but mm-hmm. I go to a, uh, there's a Marvel Comics database and a DC Comics mm-hmm. database, yeah. and you can look up, and you guys go there, too? Yeah. You Sometimes, like that stuff? if, I, if I'm really yeah. specific on, especially with DC, because they got different Earths. Yes. Sometimes mm-hmm. I have to pick out, like, all right, they made changes in in New 52 versus, excuse me, And versus, now start oh, multiverse like, and everything. And, yeah, like, and I got to make sure I'm stuff. tight. But also, DC has yeah. its own new database in the DC Universe app, so I checked that too to see what they consider canon, you know, since they write versus the rules. what's been written out. <laughs> yeah, versus the actual history, versus what oh, they consider man. canon. Okay. Mm, yeah. Hey, look, though, so Fantastic Forum is also a television show. If you happen to be in the Arlington, Virginia area, you can watch us every Friday, sorry, every Saturday and Sunday night. Oh, uh, my bad. Drink. Uh, yeah, every uh, Saturday and Sunday night. At 8 p.m. on Arlington Independent Media, Comcast Channel 69, Verizon Fios Channel 38. And you can also, if you like, you can catch us uh, because this airs as a blog on the Great Geek Refuge at greatgeekrefuge.com. Also, you can visit the Fantastic Forum website at fantasticforum.tv. We have episodes of the TV show. We have, excuse me, episodes of the radio show. We have segments broken out that you can check out and um, enjoy basically fantasticforum.tv so uh, and the show re-airs each and every Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. should you miss any portion of the Saturday broadcast so I want to thank everybody for tuning in thank you to my guests Drew Bittner and Julian Lytle and you can find out more about them if you visit the Fantastic Forum website because I've left no time for them to say goodbye, so I'll say it for them. Tune in again, same bad time, same bad station.